0: Uh, Tonight's Bible reading comes from John chapter 21, verses 1 through to 25. Um, If you've got a Bible in the pew in front of you, it's on page 881, and if not, it's on the screen behind. John chapter 21, starting at verse 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter... The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. very truly I tell you when you were younger you dressed yourself and went where you wanted but when you are old you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God then he said to him follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them was written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written.
1: Thanks, Hannah, so much. Maybe you can pray with me as we come and look. And think about that. Now, Father, we believe this is your word, a word ultimately that you have given and which you did that through John who wrote this down for us. So it makes sense that we need you to understand rightly. We thank you in the Bible You have spoken and you continue to speak. So we thank you tonight as we heard the Bible read, we heard you speaking to us. Help us to think well about that and may it have an impact on our lives so we're not only hearers, but we actually become doers of your word. Amen. When I first became a pastor, I I was about 35, Um, I was a pastor for 30 years, before that I was a registered nurse and before that I worked in the bank. Uh, But when I started pastoring, I hadn't preached a great deal, so I thought it would be helpful if I asked a few people to give comment on my preaching. I thought it would be a way that I might improve. How did I come across? Did what I say make sense? Or was it just a lot of blah, blah, blah? Well, I asked a group of people and they all said, you kind of just ended. We're listening to you and then there was this end. They were feeling as though the sermon each time I preached was incomplete. I didn't have a conclusion. Now, conclusions are really important. A, they tell you when the sermon or the book or the film has come to an end. But conclusions bring threads that have been woven through the sermon or the book. They bring them together. Conclusions bring some clarity. Conclusions can challenge or motivate. And sometimes conclusions, if it's an oral presentation, that's what people will go away, the last thing they hear. And yet some people can say conclusions and it makes no difference. I'm sure you may have sit in lectures or sermons or talks when someone says, now in conclusion, and they go on and on and on. And then they say, finally, then they go on and on and on. Then they say, I'm going to draw this to an end. And they go on and on. Conclusions are important, but there's only ever one conclusion. One conclusion, and then it's finished. But well, what do we do with John chapter 21? So if we looked in the Bible, at the end of John chapter 20, he's given a conclusion. Verses 30 to 31, we read in John chapter 20, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. It certainly sounds like a conclusion. So is John one of these people that doesn't know when to stop? He just keeps writing? Why chapter 21? Well, it's interesting that John began his book with what's called a a forward or a prologue where he introduces some themes that he's going to expand on later. And chapter 21 seems to be something like an epilogue where John ties together threads that he's talked about concerning the disciples and especially about Peter. And then he tells us these two accounts, one about a miraculous catch of fish and one about a a discussion or encounter that he had with Peter. Peter. Now I'm not a fisherman. Uh, I was pastor at a church on Lake Macquarie at Toronto for 20 years which is right on the lake and lots of people go fishing there. So I often felt the odd one out. And one day a guy in the church, uh, he was retired, he invited me to go fishing with him. Uh, he had his little boats and he just put up and down the lake fishing for tail. I know nothing about fish but Normally, I thought you would stop and you'd fish in one place, but maybe if we tailor, he just go slowly. He had a few lines in, and I thought this was great until I realised when he goes fishing, he goes for four hours. <laughs> I don't like fishing. So after 15 minutes, I'm ready for him to say we're going to finish. Of course, he didn't say we're going to go for four hours, but... Uh, And I got more and more agitated, and after an hour, I said, look, I need to get back to work. I probably didn't really, but I did need to do some work. Any excuse, because, well, I was both stressed and bored. But for the disciples, fishing was not a stressful thing. It was their occupation. But encountering Jesus had changed them radically. The disciples had returned to Galilee on Jesus' instructions and they were waiting. And it seems to say Peter decided he'd go fishing, not to go back to his old occupation, but rather his filling in time as he waits. And that night... Peter and the others on the Sea of Galilee fished and they fished all night and they caught nothing. They didn't realise but there was this person on the shore. We know it's Jesus. It's dark. They couldn't see. And Jesus calls out. He calls out a question that he already knows the answer to. Guys, haven't you caught any fish? No, throw your nets on the other side. And then it was an enormous catch. This had happened before. And John, realising it's Jesus, says that to Peter. And Peter's in the water straight away. He's going towards Jesus. And he leaves the others to haul the net in. I want you if you can to picture yourself you're in the boat you're in the boat you've been fishing all night this guy that you can't really see says throw it out on the other side and all of a sudden there's this massive catch you realize it's Jesus what is your response you're in the boat rocking, and you realise it's Jesus. You see, you'd seen him on the cross. You saw him dead. John tells us this is now the third time that they had seen Jesus. But John said, almost, they're so overwhelmed, it's as though they wanted to ask, who are you? It's not that they doubt Jesus, it's just so hard to get all the information and process it. And on the shore, they find that Jesus has prepared breakfast for them. And he doesn't need their fish, he's got it all there ready. But graciously, he says, Bring some of your fish. Jesus had served the disciples before his death and now he continues to serve them after his resurrection by providing and feeding them. And it seems that John has included this in this epilogue, trying to tie some of the threads together to remind his readers that we are totally reliant on Jesus for his mission. The disciples could not catch any fish. We can do nothing without him. We can do nothing of eternal worth without Jesus. In fact, John has said that earlier in his book. Remember John's purpose at the end of chapter 20? But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God... And that by believing you may have life in his name. And it seems that Jesus feeding, feeding the disciples is almost like a parable. He feeds them and they are to feed others. Jesus has fed them the message of his death and resurrection and they are to feed others the message of Jesus' death and resurrection. The message that they have been fed with is the food that they pass on to others. In fact, Jesus said earlier in John in chapter 6, just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. The message that we offer is not about what we do, but about what Jesus has done. And in fact, if we were to look back through John's Gospel, we go back to chapter 13, where Jesus served his disciples by washing their feet. And from then on, we find how Jesus' death, he talks about his death, how his death will feed and equip them for mission. Chapter 14, Jesus' death will secure everything an eternal home for them and for all who will believe in him. John 15, Jesus' life flows through them as the vine flows through the branches. Johns 14 and 16, Jesus' spirit reassures his followers and convicts the world of sin. John 16, while the world will hate Jesus' followers, Jesus has overcome the world. And John 17, Jesus praise and intercedes for the disciples and for all who will believe through their message. What's Jesus' death? Accomplished, feeds and strengthens us so that we can feed others with the same food. I've been, uh, I'm encouraged by lots of people But I just want to mention three people. Three people have asked for permission. Three people are part of our church. Two of them who you will know. One comes to the morning service. Nick, 22 years old, last year paid for himself to go on a mission trip to West Asia to do campus ministry at a local university. The group sought to connect with students at that university and share the message that Nick himself had been fed with, the gospel, to share that with others, to see if others would eat that food, as it were, and then to pass on people who were spiritually interested to other workers at the university, long-term workers, the message of Christ that had fed Nick was the message he wanted to pass on to others. Graham, Graham comes to the morning church. He's been gripped by Jesus. He's middle-aged, 40s I guess, late 40s, gripped by Jesus that he, he has a desire to share Jesus with a man who he met in an aged care home and he visits regularly. He was involved in the peace tent down at Lakemba through Ramadan, going down there and having conversations with Muslims who wanted to talk. Indeed, Graham's even thinking about going overseas, using his professional skills in a context where he can help but also feed others with the message of Jesus. And Miriam. Miriam, a school teacher who went across to Central Asia to teach in an international school. She was there, but because of COVID had to come back. But she has a great heart and compassion for the people of Central Asia. She's going to go to Bible college and then return to teach in the school, but maybe also to train other people in Central Asia in teaching. Each of these people, they inspire me because the message that they've been fed with, they actually want to help feed others. As John finishes off this book with his epilogue, he's probably writing 50 years after Jesus' ascension, And it seems, because of how he writes, there's still questions being asked about the legitimacy of Peter. See, Peter denied Jesus. And probably there's a discussion going on, is Peter an apostle? Should people follow him? Does Peter have authority? And so John, as he finishes off this book, includes this conversation That Jesus had with Peter. We read in verse 15 Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, more than these could refer to the fishing. Do you love me more than the boats and the tackle? But probably it's do you love me more than these other disciples? For Peter had boldly and arrogantly said, even though though they all fall away, I will not. Do you love me more than these? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He can't say, you know, I love you more than these. His pride has been beaten down. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Two more times, Jesus asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Lord, you know that I love you. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. And John, as he writes, says Peter was hurt. And the word for hurt speaks about grief. Peter was not sad because Jesus didn't believe him. But he was painfully aware of what he had done. And we read that Jesus asked this question three times because Peter had denied him three times. And we find that this conversation takes place in the hearing of the other disciples And so it's a public affirmation. It's a reinstatement to Peter. It's an affirmation for him to feed and care Jesus' flock. Someone who so blatantly denied Jesus, so graciously is welcomed. It's a powerful example that no matter how far we've fallen or sinned, The grace and forgiveness found in Jesus is greater. I'm sure there's many illustrations that we could give about that. My father, uh, he died a few years ago. My father was a, a godly man. He invested much in my life. But towards the end of his life, it turned out probably it was about five or six days before he died. He was in an aged care home and I was sitting there with him. And he just started talking to me about some things in his past. And I realised I'm a bit slow sometimes. Well, I'm a bit slow all the time. But but I realised at some point he's actually unburdening himself. He's confessing things that have been troubling him. And two things that struck me are the things that have been troubling him are things that he's been holding on to for 50 or 60 years. And the other thing that I noticed was the things that were troubling him in my mind were so insignificant. And yet they had weighed so heavy on him. The things that he had taken which he shouldn't have taken Things that he didn't pass on, that he, shouldn't have pa- that he should have passed on. My father used to be uh, in the old Sydney City Mission. This is going back 50 years. It was a very different organisation then. And he was what was called a missioner. He worked in places like Glebe um, and Annandale and Leichhardt um, with young boys, street boys, He was a pastor of a church. But as his life was ebbing away, there was this need for forgiveness, for confession, for healing. As Jesus had fed the disciples on the beach, So the disciples were to feed others with the same message, a message of repentance and forgiveness for sins. It's a message that has fed us if we trust in Christ and it's that very same message as we pass on is what brings other people to Christ, is what feeds them. However, while we're all involved in that one message, we'll all do it different ways. Same message, same emphasis, but how we live that out in the different contexts. I know a lady who writes letters to women in prison. We heard this morning about Gideons handing out Gospels and heard this powerful testimony about this lady who was in prison for 13 weeks. All she had was a Gideon's Bible. She said the first night she was bashed and her arm was broken in prison. With no one broken, broken literally and broken, she read the Bible and she became, because she had nobody else, She came to trust in Christ. This message that feeds is used to feed others. And yet if we're serious about that message there will always be a cost. A cost that is death to self-centeredness. A cost that puts comfort aside And we read as John finishes about what that cost would be for Peter. In verse 18 and 19, Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went, went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. One message, but for Peter to follow would mean ultimately crucifixion. Peter seeing John following said, what about him? In verses 22 to 24, Jesus said, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumour spread among the believers that his disciples would not die. This disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say he would not die. He only said, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down, we know that his testimony is true. For John, to follow Jesus would mean feeding others through the gospel he wrote. He's fed us tonight as we looked at this gospel. Church history, indeed the book of Revelation, tells us that John was exiled on the island of Patmos because of following Jesus. The preached word of Peter, the written word by John, are the same message of grace that is found in believing, finding life and forgiveness in his name. In the epilogue, as John draws this book to a close, he's included this epilogue because the mission of Jesus goes on. And we are now part of that mission. We have that message. If you follow the Lord Jesus, the message has fed you. And now we are called to offer that to seek to feed others. We know how the conclusion was for Peter. We know how the conclusion was for John. But how will the conclusion be in your life? How will you pass that message on? What cost are you willing to pay to do that? To both Peter and John, Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. Let me pray. Now, Father, sometimes we are so grateful that we are forgiven by you. We're grateful that you know what we like, even though we are embarrassed before you because we know what we like also. Thank you for your grace and your forgiveness. And yet, while we are grateful, we confess we can also be so selfish We want to follow you because things are good. We don't necessarily like following you when things are hard. We enjoy comforts and we don't want to give them up. Would you please, through the word that John has recorded for us, keep reminding how beautiful that word is. And indeed, it's not death to die. Please encourage us with the word that feeds us is the same word that can feed others. Our Father, we confess we can have such a low view of you and the Lord Jesus. Thank you for the majesty of your gospel. Please keep growing our focus to see you more and more bigger, more and more trustworthy, more and more competent to bring people to yourself as they're fed with the message. We thank you so much that you use fallen frail, sinful, fearful people. Because that's why the Lord Jesus came. Amen.